Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Well, I guess the working title is now official. That's the first time I've heard that. Maybe I'm not paying attention, which is entirely possible, to the opening. PFT PM, Friday, September 29. Week 4 has begun with the Packers over the Bears. I got one thing I want to say about that game. As the morning has unfolded, I'm trying to catch you up with things that we didn't know about, things we may have missed, developments that may have occurred since the PFT Live three-hour program earlier in the day. The Danny Trevathan hit on Devontae Adams. There was a lot of chatter that he should have been ejected pursuant to the new rule that mandates an automatic ejection for an egregious hit to the head. And yes, that would be a hit that falls under that umbrella if that rule were a rule. But as it turns out, that rule was never adopted. And it was NFL media that reported back in March that the owners adopted a rule mandating an automatic ejection for an egregious hit to the head. I asked the NFL about it because I couldn't find anything in the rule book. It's one of those moments where you think you're losing your mind. Like, okay, they said this rule was adopted. Did they just ignore it? Did they forget about it? Did something happen that I don't know about? As it turns out, nothing happened that I don't know about because nothing happened. The rule was never adopted. So there is no automatic ejection. So that makes me feel differently about the likelihood of a suspension for a one-shot violation because what the NFL usually does, progressive discipline. Start with a fine, increase the fine, increase the fine, ultimately suspend. Danny Trevathan doesn't have that track record. So you don't go straight from zero to suspension. He'll get a fine. And if he does get suspended, then either James Thrash or Derek Brooks, I firmly believe, will overturn the suspension. Without that rule, without that automatic ejection rule, I don't see a suspension for Danny Trevathan, although it was a brutal hit. And I know that some people have said, I did some radio this morning in Miami, and there was a question like, well, isn't that a clean football hit? Isn't that a good football hit? Well, not anymore, because the NFL has decided that a player who is a runner and is in the process of having his forward progress stopped. You're stopped. It's that cleanup hit. It's that hold him up. Remember that? Hey, hold him up. You want one last shot at him. You can hit him with your shoulder in the midsection. You can't hit him in the helmet or neck area. You can't hit him with your helmet. Danny Trevathan did both. So expect a big fine, but there is no automatic ejection for an egregious hit. And if they ever adopt that, they need to have replay review make the decision because the officials in real time don't necessarily see it. And they're reluctant to suspend or eject, rather. They're reluctant to eject a player based upon what happens in real time. They'd rather defer to the league office. So get the league office involved, just like replay review, on whether or not someone should be ejected for an egregious hit like we see in college football. Ezekiel Elliott is still facing a six-game suspension. Quick thing to say about that. Monday, Monday is the hearing that will happen in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans. Now, Louisiana, Texas, probably a couple of other states are under the same umbrella. 
And how it works is all of the federal courts within a circuit funnel up to that circuit. And there's like 11 or 12 circuits in a D.C. circuit and something like that. I used to know all that stuff inside and out when I practiced law. But I do know this. On Monday, the NFL and the NFLPA will argue in front of three judges, and they know who the judges are, the question of whether or not, first, Elliott's injunction should be stayed, which means the suspension would start even though the litigation continues, or, and this is what the NFL is trying to get, this is plan A, dismissal of the case because there is no jurisdiction over the case because Ezekiel Elliott filed the case before his internal appeal of the six-game suspension ended. And if that happens, they'd go straight to New York, where there's already a lawsuit the NFL has filed, and Ezekiel Elliott and the NFLPA would have to immediately try to seek an injunction there. Otherwise, his suspension would start effective the week after the ruling is issued. And I'm told the NFL believes the ruling could be issued from the bench on Monday. Now, that's not, that's not a likelihood. That's not a definite That's probably a remote possibility, but if it's a slam dunk and if the judges believe it's a slam dunk, they could rule from the bench and it could be that Ezekiel Elliott is officially suspended pending intervention by a federal court in New York City by Monday or Tuesday of next week. And one other thing to keep in mind, and and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking so much about politics and football, I guess this feels more natural than it otherwise would. The way it works And this is exactly how it worked when I practiced law. You go to an appeals court, you go in front of a judge, especially a federal judge, because federal judges aren't elected, they're appointed. And you're nominated by a president. And presidents typically nominate judges whose politics mesh with the presidents. And the very loose, but for the most part accurate rule of thumb when it comes to employment cases, and I handled a ton of employment cases, Republican judge, more likely to be conservative, more likely to be pro-business, more likely to issue a ruling that favors the business, that favors the defendant. A judge nominated by a Democratic president, more likely to issue a ruling that favors the individual, a progressive mindset. Now, in any given case, the facts, the parties, etc., can influence the outcome differently. And Ezekiel Elliott's not going to get the same kind of sympathy that somebody who was making $10 an hour and had worked at a job for 35 years and got fired for some stupid little technical violation of the rules. But the principles that you apply in cases involving individuals who are in more sympathetic postures, those same principles apply when you are handling and resolving a case like this. So, Long story, bearable. Two of the three judges that will handle this case were appointed by Republican presidents. One was nominated by a Democratic president. That on the edge. Very uh, superficial look at it, but that gives an advantage to the NFL. We'll see if that that trend, that assessment, that knee-jerk reaction to how the judges got onto the court, whether or not that That holds moving forward. All right, we have Michael David Smith up next. We have picks for the weekend. There are five games we disagree on. We're going to talk about those. Then I'll be back with some thoughts on the remaining games from what is a very compelling slate for week four of the 2017 season. And as promised, Michael David Smith, managing editor of ProFootballTalk.com. We imposed upon him for the entire program last Friday. Today, since we only disagree, only, We disagree on five games. That's not only. I got that wrong. We disagree on five games in our PFT picks, so we're going to talk about the five games on which we 
disagree. MDS, and let me start by saying you were correct on the two games on which we disagreed last week. So now we're tied after three weeks. So you can gloat a little bit, I guess. Yes, indeed. I have all of the momentum and this could be separation Sunday. It's been a long time since we've had a Sunday with five disagreements, but that's exactly what we have this coming Sunday. And I am thoroughly looking forward to that. And it starts right out of the gates, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, a morning where I'm very happy I don't live on the West Coast because I wasn't going to drag my butt out of bed at 6.30 a.m. to watch football. But Dolphins Saints, bright and early, not on Yahoo, CBS broadcast, the Saints, or is Fox? I don't know. It's one of the two. Saints I and Dolphins. It's Fox. It is Fox because the Saints are the road team. They're both the road team, but the Saints are technically the visitors, so it's a Fox broadcast. I, but you, 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 uh, you have fallen in love with the Saints. Well, I don't know that I have fallen in love <laughs> with the Saints. That's you know, I've fallen in love with my wife. I, you've, I fallen, like you've fallen out of love with I the Dolphins. It, but, you know. Um, I thought the Saints' defense made a bit of a statement last week. I mean, we were talking so much about how this could be the worst defense we've seen in NFL history, and I thought the Saints' defense did a nice job against the Panthers of kind of showing that, hey, we're we're capable of, of stopping an NFL offense here. I don't know if the Panthers have a very good offense, but then – I don't know if the Dolphins have a very good offense either. I'm a little concerned if I'm a Dolphins fan right now about Jay Cutler and whether he was ready to get started after spending the offseason getting ready to be an announcer. So it's a tough game to pick, and I I could be wrong about the Saints' defense, but I like the Saints to win this one, and I think Jay Cutler might have some trouble against the Saints' defense. I've got four teams that I think were affected by the anthem protests more than others. Raiders, Raiders, Broncos, Steelers, and Dolphins. Those are the four that I think. That I just I think that. Right? And, and it's part of its gut feeling, part of its things I heard, part of its things I've read. But I think the Dolphins, one of the teams that were affected, and I think that this week, Adam Gase, their head coach, calling out the offense collectively, calling it garbage. I guess it would be rubbish in England. It's not going to be rubbish, though. I think they'll solve the Saints' defense. Not that that's a a riddle wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a Twinkie, but I think they'll be able to to get it done and and move on from there at 2-1 and and drop the Saints to 1-3. and So we disagree on that one, and that'll start the day. One of us will have a one-game lead when we kick off an excellent slate of one o'clock Eastern games and boom, we disagree on the game between the team that is in Houston versus the team that used to be in Houston. The Titans come back to town. Who do you like when Tennessee and Houston get together? Well, I like the Titans and the reason is I think Deshaun Watson is due for a come down. He had a really good game against the Patriots. And of course, I actually think Bill O'Brien robbed his team of an opportunity for for Deshaun Watson to be kind of the star of the week in the NFL. I thought that Bill O'Brien should have gone for it on that late fourth and one, and if they had picked that up, it would have sealed the win over the Patriots, and we'd all be talking this week about, wow, Deshaun Watson, what a big game. Bill O'Brien didn't do that. He kicked the field goal. He, He trusted his team to stop Tom Brady, and his team didn't stop Tom Brady. 
And I think they kind of missed a big opportunity, and I think this is the week Deshaun Watson comes back to earth a little bit. I think rookie quarterbacks are always going to be up and down, and this may be a down week for Deshaun Watson. I think he's good at scanning the field, deciding when to run, when to throw, but I don't think the passing accuracy is there just yet, and I see him maybe coughing up a couple of interceptions, and I like the Titans to win this game. Yeah, and now here's the thing. I think Deshaun Watson actually gets better from his experiences last week. He gets better because he's had the job and he's getting the reps. And I think he'd be so much better if he would have been the starter from the get-go. That's the one big criticism I have of the Texans. It should have been Deshaun Watson from the start. He's making up for lost time. Last week's game, he did everything in his power to win that game. And I agree with you. And Tony Dungy was talking about the NBC studio as the game was happening. You don't give the ball back to the Patriots down five. You go for the knockout blow, and you go up by more than one score if you can, and that's what they should have done, and maybe we would be saying, oh my gosh, Deshaun Watson, the first rookie quarterback to go into Gillette Stadium and beat the Patriots. So I'm going to assume that he won that game, and if he had won that game, I think you would agree that he can beat the Titans at home. The Titans have a rough time against AFC South teams. They were 2-4 and four last year, 7-3 and three against the rest of the NFL. That was an amazing, bizarre stat, but it tells me that these AFC South teams know how to play the Titans, but for the Jaguars who got blown out a couple of weeks ago. Other than that, I like what the Texans can do. Their first home game since week one and the first home game as a starter for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and you know, the AFC South is a really interesting division. I think uh, it, it's wide open, and if Andrew Luck were healthier, it would be even more wide open, wider open, uh, because it, I, I really have no idea who's going to end up winning that division. From week to week, I change my mind about all these teams, and if, if Andrew Luck can come back healthy and relatively soon, big if, the Colts might still be in it, and it might be a four-team race. It might be, you know, all four teams somewhere in that, seven and nine to nine and seven range and a a couple of close games, a couple of games like this one where we disagree about where it's going to go are going to be the difference in who wins the AFC South. And if you're a Colts fan, you definitely root for the Texans because you want to keep those teams bunched together as long as possible. So there is an opportunity to get to the top. You may have to climb over three teams to get there, but you don't want one team to run away with it. Then that makes it impossible for the Colts if and when luck is back. All right. The Vikings and Lions, a fascinating matchup because last year, They played twice. The Lions won both close games. If those games go the other way, the Lions don't go to the playoffs. The Vikings do. You are on record as hating the Lions. We both were right barely last week in picking the Falcons to beat them. You, despite hating the Lions, love the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, you know, we posted these picks before the Vikings ruled out Sam Bradford. But the funny thing is, that didn't make that big a difference to me because I don't think there's that big a drop-off between Sam Bradford and Case Keenum. And I was thinking about this during the Thursday night game. How is it that Mike Glennon and Case Keenum were both free agents this year? Mike Glennon gets $15 million and Case Keenum gets $2 million Because I don't see where Mike Glennon is any better than Case Keenum. He's certainly not $13 million a year better I think Case Keenum is a, a perfectly adequate backup, perfectly fine for what you ask a, a backup quarterback to do. The reason I'm picking the Lions in this game is I like the Lions better 
pretty much everywhere else. I think the Lions, their defense, I think, is going to have a good game. Their special teams, I think, have been outstanding so far this year. That's kind of why I'm picking the Lions. It actually isn't about Case Keenum or Sam Bradford. I just kind of think the Lions are the better team elsewhere. I I think at quarterback, though, the the Vikings are actually going to be fine with Case Keenum as long as Sam Bradford is out with that knee injury. Last year, October 16, Rams at Lions. The Lions won 31-28. Case Keenum, however, 27 for 32. And if that sounds familiar, that was the exact completions and attempts for Sam Bradford week one. 84.4%, 27 for 32, 320 yards, 10 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception. And I think it was a very inopportune interception late in the game that helped seal the win for the Lions. But nevertheless, a great day for Keenum against the Lions last year. The Vikings lost to the Lions at home, reeling from a horrible performance against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. I love what Dalvin Cook can do. Ride the Vikings while Cook is still healthy enough to run because who knows how long he can keep up a pace that has him on on uh, track for 378 touches. I, I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be an old-school NFC Central type of a game, but home team gets the edge 21-20. I like the Vikings in that one. All right, moving along to the next one on which we disagree. This one is a – and what can go wrong? Late afternoon kickoff in Tampa in early October, another 45-minute rain delay or longer in the offing most likely. But when the f- clock finally gets to zero – colon zero zero Buccaneers hosting the Giants who do you like I like the Buccaneers I think the Giants and I I said it last week and even though they played a little better in their loss to the Eagles I still think that the Giants are maybe the most disappointing team in the league when you look at all the stories that are coming out of that team they're all you know Odell Beckham, the the most talented player on the team, he's getting penalties. He's not happy with his contract. The owner's not happy with him. The the coach is throwing the quarterback under the bus. There are so many stories coming out of the Giants about this franchise just being in disarray, and that's not how you think about the Giants. They have their good years and they have their bad years, but they don't have years when they seem like just a, a, a badly run franchise top to bottom. And that's the way they're coming across, in my opinion, this year. I just think it, it just hasn't been a, a good year at all for the Giants. And especially, you know, when you're, when you're talking about your most talented player in Odell Beckham, your coach and your franchise quarterback, uh, you know, although they, they kind of made nice later, at least at first after that Lions loss, you got Ben McAdoo throwing Eli Manning under the bus. That just isn't what you want if you're a Giants fan and, and – I'm having a hard time seeing when the Giants turn it around. To me, this is a game where, where the Giants, once again, they're just not going to look right. And I, I think the Buccaneers may, this one, may win this one relatively easily. Yeah, now they did win relatively easily at home against the Bears to start the season. The Giants, though, to me, they know they can't fall to 0-4. One thing Chris Sims has been explaining on PFT Live this year, he joined us as a co-host back in late August. When you go to 0-1, the pressure goes up to get to 0-2. Everyone in the building feels it. You go to 0-2, the pressure goes up even more. And at 0-3, knowing that if they lose another one, they're done. I think other than the 1992 Chargers, there's been no team that started 0-4 to make it to the playoffs. And if you 
start 0 and 4 in the NFC East. You got three really good teams you got to climb over. So I think the Giants understand what's at stake. And the other thing, too, and I think this comes down to Giants defense versus Buccaneers offense because the defense is good enough to give Jameis Winston fits. And I think Winston, I think they're in his head now. I, you know, this idea that he's he's got the issue with turnovers. He tries to will the team to victory. He forces throws. He had three turnovers. He's talking about how the consequence may be they're going to run the ball 30 times a game if he keeps making mistakes. That would be a ludicrous approach. But the bottom line is he knows he's got to do better. And I don't think it's something you fix anytime soon. And it may may not be anything they, they ever fix. This may be a limitation on Jameis Winston's career where in the moment, he's always going to be inclined to do too much. And it's going to blow up on him from time to time. And the Buccaneers have two home games in five days. They have the Giants and then they have the Patriots on Thursday night. And I just think that that, you know, it won't be panic time for the Buccaneers. It's beyond panic time for the Giants. And I think the Giants are good enough that they should be able to overcome the Buccaneers even on the road unless they do have like a two-hour lightning delay and then that screws up everything. All right, the last one on which we disagree. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about this one. I was hoping that you had gone my way. I The way this works, you put all of your picks in and then I put mine in. And to this day, I have never cheated and looked at yours before I've made so mine. Because, really? You can do that to me? Do you, just do you saying, any, I wouldn't have any way of verifying that. Let's put it that way. How about just taking my word for it? Perhaps. We've been oh, working geez. together a long time. What I, the I, hell? I have to admit, That's what hurts. You are usually a pretty fair guy. Usually. So I, I admit you <laughs> probably haven't cheated, but we, I, we I have, have no way We have a 10-year relationship that I am now going to have to reevaluate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Regardless of whether I've actually cheated in the past, I was tempted to look and see who you picked on this one because I I was hoping that you would pick the 49ers to win because I don't know how I feel about this one. But I did not. I did not. And okay. you like the Cardinals. I think I believe you. All right. Thanks. If, Why do you like the what Cardinals? What I see in this game is the 49ers run the ball well, and I think they can – grind it out and keep it close. But ultimately, I I like the Cardinals' offense better. I think the Cardinals' offense is better than they've shown so far. I think that, that, you know, Carson Palmer has made a few too many mistakes, but I actually think they might have a pretty big game from Carson Palmer coming this Sunday, and I just don't see the 49ers keeping up. But we actually, although we disagree on who wins, I took the Cardinals, you took the 49ers. We picked pretty close scores here, so I think we're we're pretty close to actually being on the same page. It might be one of those games where it's, you know, 21-21 late in the fourth quarter and we're both kind of monitoring the game, hoping that the team we picked is the team that makes the one big play that swings the game. I was impressed by what the 49ers did Thursday night a week ago against the Rams. I think they they found their stride. Defensively, I would have liked a little better performance. But, you know, I I look at the Monday night game between the Cowboys and the Cardinals and just how how badly the Cardinals' offensive line performed. And, And Carson Palmer doesn't have time to set up and throw the way that he needs to. I see so much happy feet from him when he's standing in the pocket. He's just, it's like impending doom. He's, he's waiting to get knocked to the ground and it's not enough time to execute the offense the way Bruce Arians likes to do it. And I I just feel like it's time for Kyle Shanahan and company with extra 
and rest. And there's two games this week that fall into this category. And I think Howard Katz and the scheduling staff at the NFL need to start paying more attention. And I know, look, I know that they have a ton of plates that are spinning as they try to figure out these schedules. But I've noticed too many times this year where teams are playing on Sunday, where one played on Monday night and the other team played on Thursday. And that to me seems unfair that one team gets 10 days in between and the other team gets six days. That's too much time in between. And I know teams are playing teams coming off of bye weeks and they only had a week to get ready. But this seems like an avoidable dynamic. And and week four. Both teams from week three that played Thursday night are playing the two teams that played Monday night, and I think they need to try to find a way to avoid that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where every team looks at the schedule and immediately says, hey, how about this game? Why do we have a short work week going up against a team with a long work week? And And like you said, it's impossible to get a schedule that meets everyone's needs everyone's demands everyone's requests but I, I agree with you that I, I wish the nfl had a more standardized way of doing the schedule so that uh, over the course of a season the number of days you have off prior to a game equals the number of days that your opponents have cumulatively heading into games against you and, and you know that would be a, a complicated thing to do and maybe it wouldn't be perfect especially once you get into the the late season games there's a couple of saturday games and there's the traditional thanksgiving teams and all that but it it does feel like if there's a a team that'll come out flat in this game it would be the cardinals coming off monday night compared to the 49ers coming off a thursday well we agree on that we agree on 10 of the remaining games. We're both 1-0 and for the weekend with the Packers beating the Bears. Not that either of us had to venture out on a limb for that one, but it'll be interesting to see how these five go next week if we do this again. And I, I really do have to reconsider the entire relationship after the unfounded allegations you've made against me. So I'll let you know whether or not we'll do this again next Friday because I'm, I'm very hurt now. I'm going to go sulk in the corner for a while. Not that that's what I otherwise wouldn't be doing on a late Friday afternoon, but uh, I appreciate the time. And good luck on the 10 games we agree on, and go to hell on the other five. Uh, I, I think I'm probably going to go like a four and one mm. in the five we disagree on, and I'm going to have a, a nice three-game lead next week. And I have a feeling that if that happens, I'm never going to, even though I got however many weeks left, 13 weeks left, that that's going to be the kiss of death. We'll see if it happens. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks again. We'll, we'll talk maybe soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks again to Michael David Smith, despite impugning my integrity. I really haven't cheated. I could. I've been tempted. Oh, I've been tempted. I never have. I've gotten to a point after we've done this for like, I don't know, eight years now. I'm at the point where I really don't care if I win or lose it. Because it's it's not like anybody's going to come take anything away from me if I lose. And it's not like anybody's going to come give me something if I win. We agree on the 10 games we didn't discuss. Some thoughts on those. And there really are some great games. You know, Jaguars. The team that was the trap game all these years has a trap game in week four. And what fascinates me about the Jaguars, they've finally gotten off to a good start. And a win here in a spot where they they should win, if they can show up and deliver in this spot, maybe they are for real. They'd go to three and one. Maybe, maybe this is finally the year. For everybody out there who's been saying this year is the year for the Jaguars, inevitably one of these years will be the year. Maybe this is the year. Patriots, Panthers... Bill Belichick seems to think he's getting 2015 Cam Newton. He's not. 2017 Cam Newton, fundamentally different. And I know that the Patriots' defense isn't as good as maybe it could be or should be, but 
They still have 2015 Tom Brady and 2010 Tom Brady and 2001 Tom Brady, and that's really all they need. I think their defense is enough to allow the Patriots to outscore the Panthers. The Bills and the Falcons playing the second game ever in the regular season at the new Atlanta Stadium. The Bills have surprised me. You know, we had expectations for the Bills that were way too high two years ago under Rex Ryan. We probably have expectations that are too low for the Bills now. And I don't think the Bills win this game, but it won't shock me if they go in there and steal it because the Falcons, even though they're 3-0, and they, they haven't been impressive in those three games. They could be 1-2. and two. They should be 1-2. and two. The only game they looked great in was their other home game against the Packers, and, and that's good enough for me given the Packers are otherwise undefeated. Steelers-Ravens used to be one of the great rivalries in the NFL. It still is. We, we've just kind of overlooked it, but last Christmas when these two teams got together, my goodness, what a game that was. The Ravens went ahead late. Remember that dive by Kyle Juszczyk? And, and then there was a question, did he score too soon? Did he give the Steelers too much time? I was like, oh, this is the Ravens' defense. They're not going to let the Steelers get down the field, and then they'll let the Steelers get down the field. Steelers lose that game. They don't go to the playoffs. It's amazing to me that so many people have the Steelers as a Super Bowl contender this year when last year they barely made it to the playoffs. And the Ravens barely got knocked out of the playoffs. I, I think this could be a fascinating game. The Ravens were humiliated by the Jaguars. Surely John Harbaugh's had a thing or two to say about that this week. And the Steelers, I think, are one of the teams that was affected by the National Anthem controversy. That it became more than a distraction. It became a source of hard feeling. That it became just one of those things that you can't resolve. And guys got mad at each other. I think guys got mad at each other in that locker room. And that the residual of that, the fumes of that, may still be lingering this week. We'll see. I think Ben Roethlisberger is doing his best to, to take the blame for what happened so guys won't be blaming each other for losing focus last week. Roethlisberger's standing up saying, blame it all on me, in the hopes that his teammates won't blame it on each other, or at least blame it on whoever they thought got distracted by all of the issues with the national anthem. Cowboys and Rams ended up being a great game, or a better game on paper, after the Rams won in Santa Clara the prior Thursday night and demonstrated an offense that was able to put up 41 points. I don't think it's enough to make a difference. I'm all in on Dak Prescott. I'm, I'm almost, let's go buy a, a jersey of Dak Prescott. I'm so impressed with what he did on Monday night against the Cardinals. I don't like the fact that the Rams played Thursday, the Cowboys played Monday. I don't like the fact that there's that many extra days for the Rams to get ready. I don't think it's enough in this case to make a difference. I like the Cowboys. And I also do believe that Ezekiel Elliott isn't the guy he used to be. Apparently he gets upset when people say that. But he's not the guy that he was last year. He's not. Just watch it. Just watch a game from last year and watch a game from this year. He's not the same guy. Prescott is better. And Prescott's the guy they need. Prescott's the guy that with him, they're going to rise or they're going to fall. Chargers-Eagles. If the Eagles win in L.A., I'll buy into the Eagles. And I have them winning the division. But I think going to L.A., facing a Chargers team that is desperate, with a veteran quarterback, they, they, they know they can't fall to 0-4. The Chargers are the only 0-4 team that ever made it to the playoffs, 1992. They don't want to try to replicate that this year. I think if the Chargers lose, given the division they're in, they're done, and they know it. And they have enough talent to find a way to win. Broncos, Raiders, two teams I feel very differently about after what happened last week. Two teams that I think may have been affected by the anthem controversy. And i got to give the edge to the home team here. If they were playing in Oakland, I'd probably say Raiders. But the Broncos have the defense. The Broncos can go man on the outside against Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, try to bottle up Marshawn Lynch, 
And I don't know that the Raiders can similarly slow down the Broncos' offense, as long as the Broncos' offense doesn't shoot itself in the foot. But I think the Trevor Simeon game in Buffalo last week, it happens. The Bills are better than we thought they were. You had to pack up and go across the country. This is a home game, division rival, high stakes, two-game swing. And if the Broncos lose this one, they got to go play in Oakland later in the year. And uh, you you get swept, and, and it makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to win the division. Sunday night game, Seahawks-Colts. Look, I... I, I it's Sunday night football. It's on TV. It's a showcase game. That doesn't mean it's a great game. And I'm not going to insult your intelligence by trying to make you think it's a good game just because I work for NBC. It is what it is. There are better games on the day. And as I said last week, the NFL should have the ability every given week of the season to flex games into the evening spot, into the 425 p.m. Eastern spot. And if the NFL is serious about maximizing its audience week in and week out, it would do that immediately. Like by Sunday night. That said, you know what? We like a good reality show, and the Seahawks are a reality show. They're a dysfunctional reality show. We're starting to see more and more cracks in the facade. And if they lose this one, and they barely beat the 49ers a couple of weeks ago at home. And, you know, if they have struggles in this one, are the, are, are the fans going to start booing? This one could get interesting. And I've seen enough from Jacoby Brissett to make me think, number one, the Colts have a chance. And number two, they'd have a hell of a lot better chance if they'd have gotten Jacoby Brissett, oh, I don't know, in July or any time before Labor Day weekend, which is what the Colts did. So that's it for week number four. You know what? I'm probably not going to do this on Monday because I travel back from Connecticut. So let me just throw in the last game of the weekend, the... Chiefs hosting Washington. Look, if Washington can pull off beating the Raiders at home and then the Chiefs in their own building eight days apart, I'm all in with Washington. I don't think they can do it. I think the Chiefs at home, we know over the years, except in the playoffs. The Chiefs at home in the playoffs, a different proposition. The Chiefs at home in the regular season, tough to beat. And I like the Chiefs in this one. Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, Alex Smith, the list goes on and on and on. And the Chiefs, yeah, they still have to deal with the Broncos twice. They still have to deal with the Raiders twice. They've got some big games coming up, but they have proven themselves so far. And and I think that Andy Reid will know how to keep that team from stumbling over a team that it should beat. It should be a great weekend of football. I hope it will be a great weekend of football. I've gotten through the entire PFTPM podcast without issuing or or mentioning rather the issue that has dominated the discussion this week because we'd all like to move past it while recognizing that the reasons for the protests were valid and remain valid. And here's hoping that all 32 teams come up with a way to balance that that accounts for everyone's interests as best as we possibly can so we can all get back to focusing on football season. A great football weekend to come. Enjoy it. Check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. We will have story after story, and we will be back on NBCSN and NBC Sports Radio Monday morning with a new edition of PFT Live, and we'll get together for the PFTM podcast probably Tuesday, outside chance Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, and uh, talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.